a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. Release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to the Empowered Mind, Empowered Health podcast for the Conscious Game Changers with Dr. Jane. Please like, share, and subscribe. Just be the wave. Today we have Dr. Margaret Dupee an optimal performance consultant at Good to Great in Ottawa, Canada, specializing in the area of stress management and optimal performance. Marg is a certified biofeedback provider helping athletes and professionals reach optimal performance using biofeedback. Welcome, Marg. Thank you, Jay. So good to have you here. This is true mind-body medicine, and I love the term optimal, that you're helping people be them op- their optimal selves. Marg, when did you become so fascinated in this type of biofeedback or mind-body, I call it mind-body medicine? Give us your story. Well, I think, um, I think I've always believed that the the mind and the body were interconnected. And I don't remember a time that I didn't. But as, as I was growing up, um, I had some experiences where I, was, I knew for sure uh, the connection was strong. And one of them might be, was when I was, um, I was a skater, a competitive figure skater. And when, we were, when I was performing, I always found that, you know, where my headspace was, what I was thinking, my thoughts were probably as or more important than, than the other aspects. And so I noticed when I was fearful, concerned that I might not do as well as I'd like to, that I underperformed. And when I was confident and I uh, believed I could do it, um, my, some of my best performance came from, from that. So that I'd always known and I had examples over my life, but it wasn't until I had the opportunity um, at a conference to see um, the use of bioneurofeedback uh, to help people understand their internal state. So seeing what's happening physically uh, and mentally uh, under stress and that there is a connection to that and that we have the capacity to optimally manage that. And, and we don't believe we do, but um, we certainly do. And that bioneurofeedback training was a tool that, that showed me that um, what's happening internally, we can project onto a computer screen and give uh, numbers to. So we can give concrete numbers to what's happening on your internal state, both physiologically in your body and mentally in your brain waves, and what your thoughts are. And that by just letting people see that and see that they can actually uh, affect that, they have an influence over that. And so since then, my job has been to basically help people understand that um, 
they have a lot more control over their physical and mental state uh, than they thought they did. And just, I think, you know, the basic is just to show them how great they really are. And, and you can do that with, with this tool, which I've just found to be a wonderful learning tool for people. And it's, it's about, for me, it's about them learning to connect with their own greatness. Yeah. And then yeah. not only learning to connect with it, but then to learn to live from that state. And that is optimal performance for me. And I just, I've, I've kind of always known that, but it wasn't until I was introduced to this tool. And then luckily given the opportunity to use this tool with Olympic athletes to help them manage their stress response when they're preparing and competing at the Vancouver Olympics. So that was for me, like a gift to yeah. have that opportunity to say, hey, this really works and show them how it did work. And it was an awesome experience. I'm just grateful. Um, beyond belief for having that opportunity. I never saw it on the radar coming at me uh, in my life and um, really was just amazing. And it was amazing to work with those athletes. And of course, most of those athletes, if you're at the Olympic level, you connect with your own greatness. You've connected with your own greatness. You've won competitions, you've done other things, and you've been able to connect with that and know that you've got it in you, but it is something that you can't really sustain and you don't really know how. So we have to build those skills to sustain that ability to stay connected to what some people would call our true self or your best self. Um, and, and just notice when are we shifting away from our center? When are we, some people call it your center, your best self. And when we have to notice as soon as we're shifting away and get ourselves back to that nice optimal state for you. And an optimal state might mean, you know, to, to ski down that hill and win the Olympics. It also might mean an optimal state is to fall asleep at night. What state do we need to get into to fall asleep? So it's, Part of everybody's life to want to be in the state that we need to to perform our best whether that's falling asleep or, or winning an olympic medal right and we've all experienced being in the zone but then you know when it matters most sometimes we can get triggered and fall out and like i have had experiences where you know the blood just drains from my body and i go limp like and in the moment when it matters the most just because and you don't know why so to be able to get back into the zone when it matters most, and like you say, maybe it's just learning how to sleep, how to go to sleep, right? How to really control what state we're in. So tell us more about biofeedback and how you helped Olympic athletes. I'm fascinated by that. Bio and neurofeedback uh, is just a training, um, training tools and strategies. And it's really taking um, biomarkers. So things that we do like breathing rate, muscle tension, um, sweating response, all the things that kind of happen to us under stress. Uh, so what happens to the body under stress? So everybody has a sweating response, a breathing rate, a heart rate. Uh, your hand temperatures become cold. It becomes cold after uh, when you get stressed. So we look at what is your what's your stress profile so what happens to you so we we want to really develop self-awareness and self-regulation skills and that's what bio neurofeedback does so become aware is what's happening in my internal state what's happening in my body what's happening in my mind and is that what i need to have happen in order to do the job i need to do so what's the what's the task here and how do i get into the state i need to do a good job am i writing a math test am i you know competing at a skiing event Am I trying to fall asleep? So it's really about 
looking at your physical and mental state and saying what, what would be optimal right now to get the job done here. And we all have, it's, it's simple, it's complicated, but it's simple. So we all have a similar nervous system. So I always say a nervous system is a nervous system is a nervous system. And understanding and being able to work with that and understand your nervous system and what happens to you and then knowing what to do about it, which is self-regulation part, when it isn't optimal, when you're not in the zone, when you're not you know, uh, in that state where you can do your best. And I mean, you talk about the fact of sometimes you're, it feels like the, the blood drains from your brain. And so, you know, if we're talking then about the brain, we talk about EEG or electroencephalogram. So the measurements of your brain waves. And there's a range, we know, we've known since 1952 that, different speeds of brain waves correlate to different mental states. So if you are what we call busy brain and you're worried and anxious and ruminating, you have really fast brain waves. And so if you're trying to fall asleep, you have really slow brain waves. And then in the middle is what we kind of call the optimal performance range. When you want to either be just recovering so that you can do something, or you want to be doing it on task, you're kind of in the middle and you have these brain waves that are kind of uh, mid range. And so you need to learn, how do I speed them up? How do I slow them down? What do I need to do to do that? So you're just learning, how do I work? You know, how do I, how do I work this body and mind? And learning techniques to do that. And then trying things and then seeing what happens. So that's a nice part about bioneurofeedback where we have sensors on the body. And then you can try thinking negative thoughts. You can try going to positive affirmations. And you can see what happens physiologically in your body, your muscle tensions, going to a positive thought about yourself or something, you know, trusting and confident that you can do something. I can do this. I got this. Um, you see your muscle tension uh, relax. And for athletes, they need really uh, no muscle tension to perform to, to potential. So, you know, for athletes, it's one thing muscle is really, really important. And they need to notice as soon as they think, oh my goodness, he, he beat his best time. I'm not going to be able to beat that. They see, we see their physiological stress response, which could be for them, uh, heart rate speeding up, breathing rate speeding up, muscle tension. And they need to say, hey, this, I've just moved out of my optimal range and I got to come back. I got to bring it back. And, and one of the key things we work on is your breathing rate, because that's something that we don't need biofeedback equipment. You just need to pay attention to your breathing. And so that's something maybe later we can talk about what might be uh, uh, your optimal uh, breathing rate. Um, or that you, you can come back to to put you in a nice centered focus present moment state and there is a range I mean our, our nervous systems are similar um, so we all have a similar type of nervous system so there are ranges where we know that you can slow your brain waves down and become very focused breathing at a certain rate. right so focus is the key and is that what they call the zone when you have this crisp focus that's in the middle you know kind of between excitement and boredom there's like this super focused stage that is you know super cool when you can reach it <laughs> and it's something that we don't really have control like they talk about flow and the zone and and uh, you know and I, I think we could we could have a big discussion about that and you can bring in 10 experts and everybody would have a little bit of a different take on what's what that is but it's about you being able to pay attention to what's happening right in front of you right now in the here and now that present moment not worried about the past not worried about the future just what's happening here and just like relaxing into that moment so just being present with what's happening um, and if there's things you need to be what do you need to be doing um, to just kind of be right there giving it everything you've got and and that's 
you know, that's not, it's easy to talk about and, and of course, challenging, challenging to do. <laughs> it is because our mind wants to distract us. But the key is to be in the moment. That's what you're saying, to be in the now and optimally do what you need to do. Do you have any wonderful examples of an athlete that has achieved this, you know, maybe that has found transformation in what you're teaching? Uh, I, I think one of the athletes uh, that I use often as an example is a, is a fellow who was competing at the London Olympics. And it was his, his third Olympic time to go to the Olympics representing Canada. And the first two times he had underperformed. So obviously fear, anxiety, you know, uh, had kind of taken over and, and it, he had not performed his potential. So nationally, he could perform to his potential consistently. So he'd always get the Olympic spot because he'd always get, even if he could send only one person, he would get that spot because, you know, at, at the trials, the Olympic trials, and even just, you know, the other lower competitions, he would easily win. But as soon as he stepped it up to the Olympics, he would underperform. And so, uh, you know, eventually the third time he got the spot for the, the Canadian spot for the Olympics, he decided that it was his mental, it was, it was what's happening in his mind that was holding him back from not getting that medal. It wasn't his strength and conditioning training. It wasn't his technique. It wasn't all of these things. He had those things really under control. And it was still the mind, he knew from his previous experience that it was where his mind went when he was there that caused him to underperform. And so he, in, he enrolled in our program. And um, he, as I said, the, they, uh, Olympic athletes obviously have, have, have known that they can connect with their own greatness. And we are all great. My belief is we're all great. And, and my job just with bio-neurofeedback is to show, is to help them see how great they really are. Um, because we all have that potential within us. And, and, and there's no one that doesn't. And there's no one that I've trained that I haven't found, that we haven't seen that, that potential. Some less developed than others, but that's okay. Anyways, back to my story and the Olympic athlete. So he, um, he came and did, the tra did his training with, with us, and he worked on um, his ability to manage his stress response. So noticing as soon as, as soon as he was moving away from that optimal zone. And you can notice that really quickly and really easily. When we have you hooked up, we can see which indicators actually are the first to move away from off, this, off your center, off your optimal zone. <clears throat> and for every person, it's a different combination. So we have six indicators. And so for me, my, my stress response would be my hands get cold. So I have a vascular stress response. <clears throat> other people, their breathing speeds up. Other people, their heart rate speeds up. Other people, their muscles get tight. Lots of times athletes' muscles get tight. First thing to do. So you need to notice what is your optimal range? What is a relaxed muscle? And then as soon as there's tension, and, and it's kind of like when you're driving down the road, you got to stay in the middle of the road. And as soon as you hit the rumble strip, you got to notice and you got to get back to the center of the road. And that would mean, you're, say you're someone who's a, a, a breathing responder, stress responder, you would be maybe breathing and then all of a sudden your breathing comes to your chest and it speeds up. And you need to notice as soon as it moves. And then that we say like, if you wait until you hit the soft shoulder or you come up against a guardrail, you don't have time to get back to in this performance. So you got to notice as soon as you hit those, the rumble strip. So it's always about learning the rumble strip. Like where is your best performance? whatever it is you're doing and then as soon as you move away from that and so it's just becoming aware of that and we can become it's a self-awareness and we can become aware of ourselves and all these things happening inside of our body and then the idea is if you get control of the your internal state the external state 
the external world will take care of itself. In other words, you can perform to your potential. And so he found by just really noticing what happens when he moved away from that uh, center. Uh, and that part of it was his focus would go as soon as he physiologically, he's thinking, I can't do this. His brain waves speed up, his muscles get tight, his breathing goes to his chest. So he, he just trains, we train that every day, our sessions, 40, you know, 20 to 40 sessions to just to do that. And he just became like laser focused. So he had his physiology under control as soon as something moved off the center line, as soon as his breathing, his heart rate, anything, he knew it moved and he brought it back. He knew how to bring it back. And that's the thing. If you do bio-neurofeedback training, you can see on the screen um, as soon as it moves. And you know inside it moves, but lots of times we it moves, it moves, but we kind of pretend it doesn't. Nobody else outside of us know it moves, but on the screen, you know it, and then they have to bring it back. Maybe a bell will go off or it's like, hey, something's happening here. But it just makes you quicker and sooner knowing, paying attention to what's happening inside of you and you bringing it back to that. And so for him, it was his ability. It was a four minute race. And so four minutes to be on task and he had to not lose, lose focus because he had seven other people could easily beat him on a, in a given day. And so you, he needed to be able to like, as soon as he noticed his mind, not paying attention to, you know, his stroke or what he wanted to pay attention to, to be his best. As soon as he noticed, Oh, someone's getting ahead of me, whatever. As soon as your thoughts go there, you got to bring them back. So you got to bring your thoughts back to what am I I'm focusing on my paddle? I'm focusing, whatever. And notice as soon as you deviate, as soon as your thoughts deviate, or as soon as any of your physiological responses deviate, and then you just bring it back to what you want to be focusing on in order to get the job done. And of course, uh, obviously I'm telling this story because it was successful. So in the third Olympics, in his third Olympics, he won a medal. He was a third generation Olympian from a family where everybody, three different generations in his family actually went to the Olympics. No one won a medal. So he's the first one to, and he said, he's the first one to do mental training. He's the first one that really took seriously that um, our mind affects our body. And, and, and to perform optimally, both have to be, we have to have both of them in good shape. Yeah, so amazing. And you're making me realize I need to do deep breathing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So it's, it's um, what, what we call, so one of the indicators we look at is people's breathing rate. And so on average, somebody, uh, Canadians, I think Americans breathe faster than this. I found that this is another conference. So we're a little less stressed. I don't know about that, but anyways, it seems like it. Uh, so between 12 to 15 breaths a minute, is, is what we would breathe at on average. And um, if you're really stressed, you breathe up around 20, 22 breaths a minute. So you're, it's high in the chest and it's short and quick, right? And if you are in a relaxed state, when you say going to sleep, your breathing is down in your abdomen and your belly and your belly's rising and falling, which is what we want uh, to, to kind of like quiet down your stress response and bring you back to what they call they call like your stress response is your sympathetic activation and your parasympathetic is calming yourself down. And so we want to be, our, our nervous system is set up to go up very quickly and come down very slowly. So we don't have to spend too much time taking it up. What we need to focus on is bringing it down. And, and so uh, bringing your awareness to your breathing and being, you know, kind of lower in your belly, you breathe full breath and then out again. It doesn't have to be deep. It is just slow. You want a slow breath in, a slow breath out. And on average, um, just an adult nervous system, we, you, to, to bring your, uh, to quiet your nervous system down and bring yourself back to paying attention to the present moment, you want to be breathing about 10 seconds 
a breath for 10 seconds. So you could be either five seconds in and five seconds out, or a more optimal way is four seconds in and six seconds out. And the reason you want to be doing that, so you can, if you had a clock or you can even count one, 1,000, two, 1,000, or if you watch your watch or your timer, four seconds in, six seconds out, and that turns off your stress response. And it, it turns on your, your relaxation and recovery response. And so we can do that in any moment. We don't need equipment. We don't need biofeedback equipment. We just need to be here. You need to be able to count one to, one to four and then from five to 10. You know, we can do that. Um, and, and that just, and just try that. And the longer exhale is because when we inhale, we, we activate our sympathetic. And when we exhale, we activate the parasympathetic. And our parasympathetic takes us down and relaxes us. So we want a longer exhale than inhale because we want to calm our nervous system down. If you wanted to activate your nervous system, say you wanted to compete, but you, and you were kind of tired, you'd do a longer inhale and a shorter exhale. So, you know, just, you can play with your breathing and your breathing has an incredible effect on your nervous system, your body and your mind. So learning to do that, that nice breathing at approximately four seconds in, six seconds out, which we call resonant frequency. And this, this can be different for different people, but it really would only, you know, it's, it's, it would only be slightly different. It only 80 or 90% of the people are exactly that four seconds in and six seconds out. For some people, it might be three seconds in and five seconds out or, you know, it, it could be, and you can be tested and I can test you and we can see what is your exact resonant frequency, but it is within that range. And when you're out doing your work and doing your life, nobody's paying attention to whether, you know, it's three seconds or four seconds, right? Just get it roughly around that, which ends up being about six breaths a minute. So if you think about it, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, six of them. So I always watch the clock. That's why I first learned it. You decide one that has a, a, had a second hand and you just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And so for a minute, and then that's breathing six breaths a minute, calms your nervous system down and brings you back to the present moment. So that's probably the key tip I would have for anybody because that's where we start the athletes as well. You can use your breathing at any time, quiet down your nervous system and to bring your brain Write down your nervous system, so calm your body and bring your brain to the present moment because paying attention to your breath, that's in the present moment. So that's a good start. And then maybe, and that's what the athletes would do, if they noticed they were spinning out saying, this guy's going to beat me, he's ahead of me, he's ahead of me. And then they would just bring their breath, they just bring it back to their breathing and, um, and, and then go back to their, often they could go back to their breathing and then back to their task. Okay, I need to pay attention to my paddle or whatever your cue is. But it's really the easiest way to get back to the present moment is to go to your breathing. And that's why that is a, is a key, key skill that you want to be able to go back to your breathing and go back to that place where it calms your nervous system down and calms your thinking down. And that's part of that, you know, Jane, where you mentioned about our brain, our blood drains from our brain. Yes, when we start to breathe quicker and we start to have really fast thoughts, our, the, the blood does, brain, does drain from the front part of the brain, your prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking part of your brain. And when we're scared and we're fearful, the, brain, the blood goes to the, the side, which is your stress response. And we can't think because we have no blood there. But easy, easy solution. Let's go to our breathing. Let's breathe in for four and out for six and do it for a minute or two minutes or five minutes. And the blood will return to the prefrontal cortex because it's the parasympathetic nervous system that acts that, that deactivation, that calming you down. When we get scared, I call it, I call it the basketball games going on. Always a basketball game. Because as soon as you get scared, the prefrontal cortex is one of your basketball players and he goes to the bench. So he's sitting over on the bench, your prefrontal cortex or your uh, parasympathetic nervous system. 
is sitting on the bench. So the part of you that can calm you down isn't even in the basketball game anymore. He's over sitting on the bench. So you got to say, hey, hey, uh, parasympathetic nervous system, come back in the game. And he get, you get him back in the game by breathing at um, six breaths a minute or four seconds in, six seconds out. So as soon as you breathe at that rate, your, your parasympathetic nervous system, which shut off as soon as you got scared, comes back on. So that's one way that we can drag our parasympathetic back into the game. We can calm ourselves down. We can get back to um, that blood to the going to the prefrontal cortex and we can be thinking. Right. I wish I'd known this when I was a student. You know how they put the worst questions first and you immediately panic and then you can't think. And then you may even know the second or third question, but you're in panic mode and your brain isn't working. If we'd just known how to calm down and access and feed the brain again with blood. But I think there's a connection to the unconscious mind when we go into this fear. Like when we're relaxed, we can access all information. And when we're in fear, we, can, we're, we have access to none. So I've tried to explain exactly what you're you're saying it brilliantly better than i could have to you know young people that are having trouble studying and right and i think what another term that that we use sometimes is our brain gets hijacked so as soon as we become fearful as soon as we think oh maybe i don't have what it takes um, as soon as negativity creeps in our brain gets hijacked and that's what happens it it it, it gets the the prefrontal cortex just gets taken out and you know, our parasympathetic nervous system, which is, is the, the part that calms us down. So we have what we call a, a sympathetic parasympathetic balance. And we want to keep sympathetic activates and, and incur, it kind of activates us and makes us pay more attention and, and uh, heightens us, our attention. And then parasympathetic decreases that. And we, we are constantly wanting the sympathetic parasympathetic up and down, like balance between the two. So we want one and then the other, a surge of each. And as soon as we become scared, the parasympathetic goes uh, out and we can't think, we can't access that. We, our brain gets hijacked basically. And, and it is really that we do have things by just going, so forget about the math test or whatever test you're doing and just go and do some breathing. And then let's get our internal state back to an optimal place. And then the blood comes back to the front of our brain and we're ready to go. And we can access all of that information that we have. We can access our knowledge. So it's almost like we're, we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball. We can't even access, we can't even be our best self because we can't access um, you know, all of our knowledge. And that's what we, so we really wanna learn you know, to recognize when we are in that state and we don't continue to do the task because we're just gonna fail or we're just going to you know, underperform. We have to go, we just have to like stop and get our internal state in the optimal place, both our thoughts and our physiology, our body. And then, so we, we want to take a second and kind of what I call return to your center, get, get it get back to ground zero. And then let's go back out and, and, and you know, and, and that might mean, that might mean of, of a three hour exam or something, you might take five or six minutes and actually just do that breathing, right? And make yourself count your breaths, like just make yourself zone in and, and bring your, your internal state back to what would be, um, you know, your optimal place on that day. And, and so it's really, we need, we need a lot more work on managing our internal state. We've got to stop. Here I am I'm lecturing now, which I lecture to the students. We have to stop trying to change that external environment. We got to get in and change that internal environment. And so if we take 
if we go add anything, any task with an optimal internal environment, we're going to be able to be the best we can be on that day. And, and, and so it's more, you know, instead of that, and we have such an external focus that somebody, the coach said something wrong and we've got to do this or somebody else did something wrong, whatever. It's like, no, if, if you're coming from your best place, it isn't going to matter what's happening out there. It shouldn't matter what's happening out there. And that's really where the emphasis. And I think as a society, we're moving towards that. We're moving towards the fact that consciousness matters. Your mental state, what you think, those things, they all matter. And they have, they have an input into what happens to you. And, and one other body of literature, which is what you were talking about that I really love is uh, Barbara Fredrickson at uh, Chapel Hill at, I think it's North Carolina. Um, she does work on positive emotions and what's the role or what's the benefit of positive emotions and noticing, and we have all this research on negative emotions, fear and anxiety. And I mean, we just know, we know everything. We know a lot about that. We know very little about positive. And she's over the last few years has really developed a nice body of research. How by able noticing I'm negative and being able to shift back to the positive, let it go, forgive the person, whatever has to happen, you know, let it ha let that happen. Go back to being positive and positive emotions actually broaden and build our skills. And negative emotions narrow our focus and weaken us and positive emotions broaden and build us. And so when we develop strategies, that's how it builds us. We're, we're able to see way more answers to the problem and uh, broadens our perspective. And so that research I think is, is just key that we have to integrate in and I mean teach people from you know kindergarten on or before that that's the, the way we need to be going in order to be our best self. Yeah, like my trick, I didn't even realize it till I got to university and then studying to be a naturopath. I would go find the question that I knew well, and then I would breathe and I would answer that well. And like you're saying, it would bring back the positive emotion and the belief in myself. And then all the other answers would come. So it's incredibly powerful. Another, another, I just wanted to quickly share when I was dancing, a negative emotion, like I had, I had, I would immediately go into weakness if I thought I was being judged and my knees would go weak. So the, like I could barely walk. And when I was able to laugh at it and realize that, oh, your fear is that someone's going to judge you. And of course they are when you're dancing or skating, right? And as soon as I could laugh at it, everything would get strong again. So my body would become strong and I would reconnect to my heart and the, the moment. So yeah, I totally get and resonate with what you're saying, but you know, I didn't realize at the time really what I was doing. I had read Louise Hay and understood the power of the mind, but how it's yes, the, the, yeah. the mind is, is incredibly powerful. And so something, um, just your thoughts are, are incredibly powerful. And so developing that, I mean, part of biofeedback is like a developing self-awareness. And so not only aware of what's my muscle tension like, or what's my breathing rate like, but what am I thinking right now? You know, where, where are my thoughts? Yeah. And, and that, that idea of how powerful when you would change, I mean, the, um, my favorite part is when the athletes, when, we, when they, have, they come in and they, they have to come up with something that's positive and something that's negative, uh, 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 and they see that going to the negative thought and, and the negative kind of thought pattern and what they would say to themselves when it's a negative thought pattern or self-talk that's negative, 
And they would then see without any real conscious awareness of changing their, their internal state of the physiology, their body, that it changed. And so it just, just saying those negative things to yourself, that negative self-talk, um, depletes your immune system where, because you have more muscle tension and um, you just, you know, it just is depleting the immune system. So negativity really weakens you. And that is something that we just have to, you know, it isn't that you might not have to say something that needs to be said, but you don't have to say it from a negative. You can always choose to, to say what your truth is and it can come from a place of kindness. Um, you know, and, and it, it doesn't have to be from a place of negativity. And, and that's where I think we, where we, we think that sometimes it has to be negative and there's no other way to do it. Um, but I think that, that there is. And I think, you know, the more people find a way to just say, I'm refusing to do that. I'm refusing to use negativity as a, as a tool. I'm going to do it from, from a positive perspective. Uh, the stronger we will become, the stronger your mind is, the stronger your body will be. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I wanted to go back to insomnia. I woke up in the middle of the night and you know, as soon as you have a thought that's stressful, like you said, you re go into the stress response very fast and then it takes time to settle it down. So I did some meditation, deep breathing and eventually went back to sleep. But what is the optimal breath to sleep? To, to fall asleep? Yeah, if somebody's having trouble sleeping, what do you have a technique that would help them? There, um, really, all one of the there's many kind of techniques. The basic one is really just that you would that I have breathing music, so it, someone could contact me. I'd be happy to give them that, so they could just put it on their phone or their MP3 or something, and then you would just breathe at that rate. But it would be just four four seconds in, six seconds out. Um, and so, so I'm, I really, I just live and die by that. And I made the athletes, they had to do that every day, sometimes twice a day. And so I keep it really simple. So I'm sure there's lots of other techniques. Um, and there's apps on your phone, you can get uh, breathe and different other ones. And if you set it, set the inhale for four seconds, set the exhale for six seconds. And it's just, you know, and, and what, what I love to see is that as soon as we do that, within that range, sometimes it's, you know, three and, a, uh, three and a half, whatever, but really four to six, that's all you need to know. If you do that, it's close enough. Because normally, if you're stressed, you're breathing at 15 or 20 breaths a minute. And if you bring it down to six breaths a minute, there's nothing that can happen, but you can calm down. So it's just like such a hit to the nervous system from that. What I think what happens when people are, for, you know, wake up and you can't get back to sleep in that, it is your thoughts, obviously, that are racing. And so your, your thoughts are what we call in high beta, which is really the fast brain waves where it's one thought after another, right? And so even if you have some um, things that you, some self-talk, things that you say to yourself, um, that what is it that you need to say to yourself to calm down? And, and we all know what some of our stress points are and that what it would, um, what would help me to, to do that. So I think you would want to, so, so personally, I would use, and, and people have told me different things they've used. I breathe in for four seconds and I breathe out and I say something, um, you know, that I know is positive and that is actually probably hitting one of my negative beliefs about myself. So I think we talked about this earlier. I sent it to you earlier. Um, you know, you asked about what would maybe be a negative belief that I would have um, and how did I work on it to overcome it? Well, I don't think I've overcome it, but I know what it is and I'm still working on it. So I think uh, one, of, one of my beliefs is I am not enough. So I'm who I am is not enough. I'm not good enough. 
my best effort's not enough. I'm not worthy of love. So it's almost like you're like beating yourself up. It's like, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not enough, you know? And so I, I work with, you know, the affirmation. I breathe in for four seconds and then I breathe out and I say, I am worthy of love just the way I am. I am enough just as I am. So th things like that. So everybody knows what are those things that your belief, you know, what, what's that belief about yourself? What is that negative belief that seems to just, you know, keep you up at night or cause you to underperform or not be, you know, not being willing to step up and be your best self because there's that gnawing belief behind you. And I think we need to recognize what that is and we need to have strategies and tools, whether it's breathing, whether it's things you say to yourself. Um, another thing is just relaxing your face. And this is the, the athletes love this. We put the muscle sensors on people's face. And if you just relax your face, relax your forehead, relax your jaw, relax the back of your tongue. So um, when you exhale, sometimes I just would relax the back of my tongue. And then what's, what's really interesting, and I have a colleague in, in England who did a bit of research around this, is that high beta, so fast brain waves, ruminating, worrying, if you bring your focus to the back of your tongue, you, those waves slow down. So you can't have fast, crazy thoughts and also have your awareness on the back of your tongue. And I'm not even sure why that is, but it is bringing awareness. So as you exhale, relax your face and relax your jaw, relax your tongue. And I sometimes just do that. I bring as I exhale. So as I'm exhaling, which is that hit to that parasympathetic nervous system and calming me down, I'm also saying something, um, an, an affirmation that a positive thought that I know I need work on. I need to be believing that more than I need to believing who I am is not enough. And also bringing, where am I gonna bring my awareness to? My awareness is gonna to be to my face, my jaw, my forehead, because there's lots of innervations of the parasympathetic nervous system, the calming part of you that is in the, the nerve, the nervous system innervates your face muscles. So the, so that's, those are some real key ones that the athletes have, have used, like bringing awareness to your face and relaxing your face and jaw, your forehead saying the affirmation helps the brain wave. So you're trying to hit a few, few different ways to say, hey, we're safe, we're calm, let's go back to sleep. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. I didn't know about the back of the tongue. That is brilliant. And sometimes I'll say to myself, you know how you're, you will go through a list in your head of things you have to suddenly do? I'll say to myself, it's okay. We're gonna get those things done tomorrow, right? <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> And, and that's self-talk. I mean, that is a key um, technique we use in optimal performance. So in the optimal performance literature, there's focusing and relaxation and uh, self-talk. All of those are just key things. And, and that self-talk, the more I work in this field, the more I think it is one of the key things. So what you are saying to yourself in every moment, and, and, and that's exactly what you want to do. You want to say, it's almost like this one voice inside of you is saying, oh my, we got a fire here, this, 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 this. And then the other voice is saying, please have a seat. We're going to get these all done. <laughs> you know? right. So it's like, you got those two voices and you want to strengthen that voice that says, we got this, yeah. right? And, that, and that is, that's the voice, that, that observer self, the self that says, we can do this. It might take us a few times, whatever, but do everything, you know, do everything from a, a calm state, do everything from a place of peace, right? Because that is from that place that you can keep all the blood going to the front of the, the, the brain and you can just use your whole, from, from that calmer state, from that peaceful state, you can, you can access all, all the knowledge you have and, and kind of, you can access your greatness. So it's from a place of peace, from that place, confidence, 
in, in sports psychology, it's confidence. Um, it's from that place that you can be your best self. And from the frantic place, there isn't a hope. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a hope. I love that. So I also love, um, I've read studies on how high blood pressure can be affected by your breath. Can you describe how that happens? So what happens with our blood pressure is our blood pressure, our body has, you know, homeostatics is, is, is based on homeostasis. In other words, it kind of sees where do you live most of the time? And then it kind of resets to that point. So, and um, I come from a family that has high blood pressure, uncles, aunts, lots of people. So it's a big, it's something that we deal with just genetically and I deal with. And um, so, so blood pressure is such that the more you kind of live in this elevated, activated, sympathetic state and that you're always racing around and always busy and always get, trying to get things done, your body says, oh, say the blood pressure, I, I'll just kind of make this up, is 140 over 90. So this lady, um, you know, 18 hours a day is at 140 over 90. Oh, that's where we must need to be to keep everything stable. And so it resets. And so we, but if we were to actually do breathing every hour on the hour and, you know, kind of really up the ante and, and take it and, and have a, and, and kind of calm ourselves down and then our blood pressure is lower, then we can reset. And it's like, oh man, 10 hours a day, she's only at 130 over, you know, 85 or something. And then, it, so, so it resets. And so the breathing actually just quiets down the nervous system and the, the and, and it, it's affected by your baroreflex is affected in, in you from your blood pressure is affected by breathing at your resonant frequency so breathing at this rate this slower rate it, it actually helps to kind of quiet your nervous system down quiet your blood pressure down and then it the, the blood pressure would reset at uh, a lower rate because you spend more of your day at that rate and saying oh on average she's here and so I mean, obviously there's genetics and lots of things that affect it, but it is that you can have some effect by just breathing, you know, because people who are, are, have high blood pressure are often breathing quite fast. Sometimes we see that as well. So there's that link. So what you can do is do the best you can to put your, your body in this um, ideal state, which would be breathing at your resonant frequency. So when we, when we, um, in, when we breathe at our resonant frequency, it is our heart uh, our cardiovascular system and our pulmonary system, our breathing and our heart rate that come into synchronization. So when you breathe at what we call your resonant frequency, as you inhale, we see your heart rate go up. And as you exhale, we see your heart rate come down and that's heart rate variability. So that's the amount your heart rate varied. So say my heart rate was at 60 beats a minute and then it went up to 80 beats and then it came back to 60. We would say my heart rate variability is 20 breaths a minute. And so the, the, the more you're in your resonant frequency, the more you're in a calmer state, the higher that heart rate variability, the more flexible the system is, the more it can adjust if there's a problem. And so that is a measure of health. So your heart rate variability, the amount your heart rate can vary is a measure of health. And so someone who's really healthy has a high heart rate variability. So the highest I've ever seen is I saw it at a conference. It was a yogi. They were put on, on the biofeedback equipment, had 40, 40 beats per minute. So their heart was varying you know, between 60 to 100 or something and coming back down. And that is like a really adaptive system that can really move and change and be flexible. And then someone who's 
almost on their deathbed would have a very low heart rate variability between one or two. In other words, there's no flexibility in that system. There's no flexibility. Um, it's all, it's like an elastic that's hardened. You know, it isn't like a big, nice stretch to the elastic and, and I can do anything and I can calm back down, right? So you want to be able to activate and deactivate on demand and very flexibly and easily. And so you can increase that heart rate variability, the amount your heart rate varies uh, by working on breathing at your resonant frequency. And they say 20 minutes a day breathing at about six breaths a minute uh, can help to increase uh, your heart rate variability, which is a measure of health and makes you healthier. So, and that links also to your blood pressure. So a few different ways. So blood pressure is affected many different ways, but, but just doing some meditation with, and what, what we find happens if you're someone who does meditate, um, if you were to actually pay attention, you're breathing at your, like you just naturally go to that state, which is around six breaths a minute when you sit to meditate. And, and when we just sit and calm down, um, we, you know, we, that's, that's just a beautiful state to be in. It's, it's a rejuvenation state. It's our brain waves are in what we call alpha, which is recovery. So you're just giving yourself a little break. You're recovering in the moment so that the next demand is on you then you can actually step it up and meet the demand. And then we want you to come back. So if we were looking at your brain waves, we'd like you to live in what we call alpha, which is kind of the low end of the optimal range. The high end of the optimal range is narrow focus, speed it up. The low end of the optimal range is what we call alpha, eight to 10 uh, uh, waves per minute. And that is, is that paying attention in the present moment, but not processing. So not figuring out a math problem, not trying to solve the problem, but just be there and just, be aware of what's going on. And then the, alpha, the other, that's your alpha state. That's where the yogis live. And that's where we would like to live. We would like us to always return to, and we can get back to that state better by breathing. That helps us return to that alpha state where we're not worried about anything. We're just waiting for the next demand, but we're re rejuvenating while we're waiting. And if, if you do meditate, you close your eyes and you slow down just a little bit. So go into a theta. So theta alpha is that recovery area, whether you have your eyes open or eyes closed. And that's where we'd like to live and then speed up when there's a demand or a task that we have to do. And then the key is, and that's some of my research around our ability to self-regulate, our ability to come back to that alpha theta state after the task is done. So that's, you know, so we, you want to speed it up and whatever happens, you speed it up, you get the job done. And then immediately when that, when that demand is off of you, your body naturally goes back that state where you're going to recover and just be in the moment and be present and that little babies do that great we see their nice belly breathing there right something happens they're afraid of the cat and then boom, it's all over and they're back to doing and they're laughing and that's what we we want to cultivate that ability we just we speed our brains up we're all worried about everything that's happening and we stay there and we never get back to that state so whether you're doing breathing or meditation or yoga or tai chi or walking in the park it's it, that helps you bring back come back to that nice what we call, you know, alpha state, the state where you're recovering, you're still paying attention, but you're recovering. And that, that's, you know, everything's going to be okay. You're great. You got this. Yeah. You, you work with business executives. They must stay in that high state and just, you know, teaching them how to get back into recovery. And so it is, um, it's interesting. So it's a different group than the athletes. Uh, the athletes life are all around, how can they be the best selves? And then how can they get their sleep? How can they eat properly, whatever? And so that's not exactly business executives. So they really, they're, they're more of a challenge. So because they don't have time, they don't have time to do that breathing for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Uh, 
uh, busy, 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 uh, can you get back to that state? I mean, it's almost like getting, when you ask them, you know, put the, hook them up and you, they see the numbers and whatever, to bring them back to that state where you're just okay with who you are right here, right now, just in the present moment. Let's just see what happens. It's really tough because they don't use, they want, they like to be a lot faster, not necessarily busy brain, but they're higher beta. So beta, which is like always thinking, always on task, always working. But we know that, we know that people who are always working, always on task, always thinking, they get burnt out, right? Because the, the, the immune system gets depleted. They've got to come back. I mean, it, it, there's both, it goes both ways. You want to speed, I mean, the person that doesn't ever do anything, that doesn't ever stress themselves, that's a problem too, because, because then they just get weaker and weaker and weaker. So we need to stress ourselves in order to build capacity and to stay strong. So I'm not saying we need to all stay in, your, in alpha state and whatever for our whole lives. I'm just saying, let's, let's do 50% there because most of us are like 90% in thinking and everything. And only, you know, we might go to yoga class once a week or something, right? And really quiet those brain waves down. And so, but it's like, you want to do, be able to do both well, and you want to do what's the task demand of you. You know, if you're at home with your kids, you're an executive, you're at home with your kids and you can't shut it off. You're still on your cell phone and answering whatever. And you're not like sitting there putting the Lego together. You're not able to do that. You're not able to just like be present in the moment with what's going on and just let everything else go. And so that's more, so it's really like working, get them to slow down, right? To, to like, just, it's okay. It's safe to slow down and it's going to be better for you in the end if you can do that because you rebuild your capacity. You re, you're rebuilding when you go there. So that's why you need to go there to rebuild so that when the next demand comes, you've got what it takes. Yeah. And that you're there for the long run, right? Not, not the sprint, which. Right. Like it's, it, you want to be able to sustain this for your life. You want to develop those habits, um, that ability to, you know, you every day there should be time when you quieting it down like that you're really and it doesn't even it doesn't i don't even think it like lots of people say oh everybody needs to do bio neurofeedback everybody does not need to do bio neurofeedback um that's one tool we found it worked amazing with the athletes they were very happy to do it to learn how to regulate their internal state uh, but they're they're like concrete they're used to getting like how fast did i ski down that hill or how fast did i paddle down that thing so when we say your your high beta brain waves are at know 4.7 um, and then it's okay we want to decrease that and then, so they do a strategy to decrease it then we say what do you think do you think he did it or not and they'll say yes or no and I'll give them the number so so it, it works if somebody is motivated by a number by concrete data um, to help them and so it's just concrete data not how fast they ski down the hill but how quickly they go from a heightened state to a lower state how quickly can they recover so we were always working on your ability to go back to baseline your ability to go back to your optimal recovery state and, and you want to get good at that and you get good at that. And then, you know, some canoe kayak athletes that I worked with, they would have a, I think I'm trying to think of the name of it, but there'd like be three competitions in a day for, for Olympic trials. So there'd be the first one, the second one, the third one was the final. And that was who decided who went to the Olympics. So they had to be able to sustain over the day outside in the heat and then put it on when they needed it, take it off. And then, so when they weren't competing, they'd go behind the boathouse, they'd lay down, they'd put the breathing music on, they'd do 20 minutes. They would do it in between each race and quiet everything down and let it rebuild. So then when they got on the water the next time, they had more than the guy beside them because he was sitting out in the hot sun and, and didn't, he, he kept, he was out in the crowd where everything's elevated and he kept his, his brain waves were faster. He kept the energy that was needed to do, to have faster brain waves, to pay attention to lots of distractions, wears you down. So if you 
you check out, you go to a meditation, you go to a, some breathing exercises, you quiet it down, you rebuild. And then, you know, you got more in the tank when the final race comes. And, and they really, it was funny because they were saying, oh, you, if you need me, I'm behind the boathouse doing my breathing and stuff. It was, it was really fun to see as soon as they realized that, you know, this stuff worked. Like I had one athlete come back and, and she was at a uh, shooting competition. So she was a pentathlete. So she did five events, riding, shooting, Anyways, lots of lots of uh, events. I don't think it was quite a team. It was running, swimming, um, and fencing. And she one time she was her shooting was not her strength, and she wasn't feeling so well. But she was going to a shooting competition anyways. And she this was early on in her training. And she said to me, she came back after and she said, you know what? I went anyways, even though I wasn't feeling well. And I decided to do my breathing throughout the time I had to do it, and even in between my shooting. She goes, I had the best round I've ever had. She goes stuff actually works <laughs> you know? so, it was actually it took her to be like really behind the eight ball the tool and use it because her parents wanted her to come to do the training but the same with the other athletes as soon as they realize wow i can use this to really step it up and, and be in that my optimal state then we you know every nobody ever missed a, a session we had one person not not come to a session once and they they have 20 to 30 sessions and in a row and one time we had someone who was sick or something and didn't make it to the session which was really not the norm and then the next guy came in and he said how come there was nobody here before me and i said well he, he couldn't come and he goes next time you call me i'll take a double session <laughs> so it was fun because once they really see that this is a tool that you can and, and i mean there's many tools but it is a tool where you can really hone your ability to to dial in on being your best self and just be able to get into that state that you need both mentally and, and, and physically. Um, and we can do this and we can all do this. And I've, I've worked with children and a lot older people, younger people. There's nobody that can't manage more, you know, better, better manage both their physical and mental state. And, and actually they're, what I love about it is they're surprised at how much control they have over it. Yeah. And, and you know, my, I say my job is to show them how great they are because, because we are, that nervous system is there. And if you, you, help it's you know make that nervous system work for you understand how it works what happens what's going to happen under stress for me and what do i need to do to get it back on track and as soon as you get that information people do it and they do it not just in their sport but one of the fellows came and says i use this this breathing i go to my breathing at that rate when i'm having an argument with my girlfriend and he says it keeps me way quieter than i used to be and i don't say things that i used to say <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was kind of fun. yeah. I mean, athletes are fortunate in that they learn to use the tool because it really matters, right? And so they're really focused on learning it. But we can all learn how to do it. We just have to realize the impact. Yes, you know, as and I, I lots of time people say, "Well, is developmental athletes different than these Olympic athletes that you work with and whatever?" And I said, I always say, I love the saying, "A nervous system is a nervous system is a nervous system. We all have a nervous system. Same, same, basically the same nervous system. We have the same equipment. It's it's really just training the equipment to work optimally." Yeah, and I love the the term resonance and how your heart is connected to all of this. You know, because when you breathe deeply or slowly, you're in resonance, and you can actually feel your heart. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and it is it is we call it uh, synchronization. So it's so your your breathing is synchronized with your heart rate. So as you inhale, 
your heart rate increases. And as you exhale, your heart rate decreases. And then when we see, when people see that, when they slow it down, so when you're breathing otherwise, when you're breathing at 12 or 15 breaths a minute, and sometimes do that, take look at 30 seconds on a clock and just see how many breaths you take. Try not to change and see. And, but, uh, and then slow it down so that you're doing, you know, six breaths a minute and 10 seconds in, 10 seconds out. And at that rate, your nervous system says, basically, I say the message is, uh, Houston, we have no problems. Like the mess, it's just a big message. We got no problems here because when your heart and your breathing, heart rate and your breathing come into synchronization, the big message being sent to the brain and the rest of the body is relax, recover, all is good. And so you can bring, so that's synch synchronizing your breathing rate and your heart rate is the quickest way to just bring yourself back, calm yourself down, bring yourself back to the present moment. And that's just like, it's like your heart. And, and, and there's much, uh, much research or fair, a little bit of research talking about the fact that we think the brain is running the show, but in actual fact, the heart is running the show. And the, the, there's more um, pathways sending messages from the heart to the brain than there are sending messages from the brain to the heart. So in other words, the really person that's really running the show is your heart. And so that's, um, that's very interesting when you learn that, right? So what we want to do is if we get our heart, you know, heart-focused exercises, uh, positivity, all of those things, that's where the power is. That's where your strength is. And we, you know, we're still in, in our, in the 21st, even the start of the 21st century, we still think the brain, the rational mind is running the show. And yet when you see, when you do research, you see as soon as we become emotional, prefrontal cortex goes offline. So that the mind is not running the show when it doesn't have any blood and it's not even, so the emotions have taken over. And then the heart is, it, you know, you got to get the heart to bring these emotions back in line, right? Uh, you got to get the heart activated and, and heart focused in order to do that. So, you know, we, we're, we're still pretending that the, the mind is um, running the show and really it isn't. <laughs> so, so really any heart focused stuff, any breathing that can bring your, your, your body into synchronization or coherence. Um, is only going to help you. Yeah, beautiful. And then to act through the heart and, you know, and in the now is. Yes. And, you know, the, um, uh, I have a girlfriend uh, who is also a colleague in, in New York City who has just published a book around heart rate variability. And, and um, she, uh, she calls it breath, heart, mind. And, and, and it is just that idea of, bringing your awareness to your breathing and uh, focusing on heart centered things mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, puts you in that resonance, puts you in, in a coherent state, brings you back to your center, brings you back to your best self. And that's, you know, we have many modalities of biofeedback, but the key thing is really getting that the heart rate variability research is probably the strongest research, which is th that, um, the heart focus and, and there's uh, heart math is another company that actually does stuff where you're just looking at what heart rate variability is what's happening to your heart and if your heart is doing having a synchronous pattern you're in good shape and as soon as we have negative thoughts our heart has a neurotic pattern and there isn't blood going to there's no blood going to the prefrontal cortex and it's just like it's just taking you it's like you're not in your center of your lane you're over on the uh, rumble strip or you're over on the, the guardrail right and so Come back. One, so another perfect way is, is breathing, but is also just to have heart-focused 
Um, do you have any, any uh, things you use around the heart focus exercises? Because that is, that's an excellent one. I don't use it particularly. I had a lot of 25 year old men that I, you know, uh, athletes. And so I, I kind of did what I needed to do, but uh, haven't done as much around the heart focus, although I know it's a strong body of research. Yeah, no, I just noticed when I'm in coherence, like what you're saying, and breathing and in the moment, then I can connect to my heart. And what you're saying is making sense of how it's all connected. So it just, it just makes complete sense. Yeah, there's some, some great, some really great research out there on that, on, on really what's happening. We think, we think it's happening in the head, it's happening in the heart. And the more we can connect with that, connect with positivity, connect with our heart, connect with our breathing, connect with the present moment, the more we can just connect with our best self. And then we're living each moment. And as I kind of say in my biofeedback intervention that I do, it's like, we want to learn to, you know, connect to our greatness, connect to our heart, connect to our center, and learn to live from that place and notice a minute you're not connected. You don't have that connection to your heart. You don't have the connection to your center. You don't have that connection to your greatness, whatever word you want to use. I use greatness because the athletes greatness is like, ah, I just won, you know, a big competition. I'm great. And, and I, I was really great. Like that was me at my best. And so that's that term. But I think with other, with other people, I use, you know, your quiet center, heart centered, uh, any of those things. They're, they're all really the same. It's really what, what terminology you're comfortable using. Yeah. Well, it, it's when you're in that space that you notice, you know, you things happen synchronistically that, you know, doors open for you. You see them, you, things happen. You're in the flow. The flow. Yeah. So they, that's what Sismahali, Sismahali, he, he kind of coined the term, the flow, flow state. And it is, and it's not that we can like, um, make it happen on this day, but you know, you can't make it happen. But what you want, what I say you want to do is you want to be practicing things that bring you close to that as much as you possibly can. So the more you train that muscle, the more you train that muscle to be at your center, to be positive, to let the negative go, the more you're going to be able to do it in tough situations. And it's, it's just like, you know, with training the, the athletes with bio and neurofeedback for the Olympics, we didn't, you know, we didn't train anybody even close, you know, four, six months, four, six, four months out. They need to be trained a year ahead. These are skills that they need to be doing every day in training. They need to be doing it in their life and in their sport so that under high pressure, you could do it. If, if you just learned it like yesterday, the chance that you're going to be able to do it under pressure is zero. Yeah. Right. And so the chance that you're going to be able to be in the flow for a big moment, if you're not doing it, practicing it, have a meditation practice or a breathing practice morning and night for 20 minutes or 40 minutes. Sometimes they say 40 is better for meditation. Sometimes 20, um, five minutes is better than nothing. So I always start people on five minutes. If you can get up to 20, I, I just, you know, really salute those athletes because they want to resist. Um, but five minutes is better than nothing. 20 minutes is ideal. Um, and 40 is you are amazing. Um, kind of thing it's, it, whether that's meditation or breathing. And if you're not doing that every day, once or twice a day, the chances, you know, that you're going to be able to do it in a big moment is pretty low. Yeah, it has to cultivating be the state that you want to be in cultivate, you want you want to be faking it till you make it. Exactly. I, want to, I want to be I want to be calm and peaceful in every moment so that in those big tough moments when I need it, I can be that way. Yeah. Brilliant, Marg. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. So much, Thank you. It's so, so nice to uh, talk with you. Yes. Any gems you would like to leave with us? I think you just nailed it. 
you connected I, all that. I think that the one message that I hope that everyone takes every time I speak is be my message is that you have more control over your physical and mental state than you than you think you do. You know that that's that that oh we I I think I have you know and that these I just need tools in order to do that. So um, that's really like you know it, it, it's there and if you develop the tools, everybody's great. Everyone can connect with their greatness. Everyone can be their best self. Truly empowering. <laughs> Thank you. Empowering. <laughs> Thank you so much. And how, how would someone get hold of you if they wanted to learn more? Or Probably uh, best just to email me. And uh, the email that I, I left with you is drmargaretdupee at gmail.com. Okay, yes. And I'll include that in the description. Perfect. Then I'm on LinkedIn. And I, you can also just Google my name. And there's some research papers that I've published around the Olympic athletes. It, there's they're easily available. Um, just, you know, can, so you can, if you're interested in bio and neurofeedback and, and what yes. that's like, um, things like that. It all comes up with your name. I Googled yes. you. <laughs> oh, good. That's usually the easiest, but you can also send me an email and I'm happy to help um, in any way I can. Okay. Thank you so much. And you're for very everyone welcome. out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you and be the wave. <laughs>